Welcome to this Niche Audiocast. I'm Angela Brown, Senior Enrollment Insights Leader at Niche. Today, you're going to hear a webinar that's been converted to a podcast so you can listen to it on the go. You can find all of the resources that are mentioned here and the original recording on the Enrollment Insights blog, which you can find at niche.bz insights. Enjoy. Okay, it's one minute after the hour, and I really like to make sure that um, we start on time. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, if if folks come in while we're doing some housekeeping, that is not a problem. So welcome, everyone. I am Angela Brown, the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for K-12 here at Niche. And today we're going to go through some takeaways from our 2022 State of Enrollment and Marketing Survey. If you haven't had a chance to review the full results, no problem. You can check those out using the shortened link niche.bz insights after we wrap up. I also have a slide at the end that has that for you, so no worries there. Um, you'll be able to see that later on, and I'll include it in the follow-up email that you receive tomorrow. So before we get started, I want to cover a few housekeeping items that have a tendency to pop up when we're doing when we're doing these sessions. Um, the first is that we are going to be recording this and sending out the recording link with slides tomorrow morning. So keep an eye out for that. There will also be an audio version in the form of a podcast that you can find in the Enrollment Insights podcast feed on your favorite podcast app. As you have questions or comments today, you can enter those in the box in your GoToWebinar console, which if you haven't joined us in the past, that should load on the right side of your screen. And I'll try to cover those at the end if we have some time after we get through some of the advanced registration questions. So first things first, I want to start with the why behind the survey, because I think it's always helpful to be able to kind of see, you know, why why are we doing the things that we do, right? Surveys are a lot of work and it's part of the service that we we try to offer to all of you. And so the why behind this survey is the way that parents, caregivers, and students we've seen look for schools has changed. It's actually something that has become a little bit of a moving target. You know, it's changing in real time as we're sitting on this webinar, actually. Um, we've seen a lot of changes in our parent survey data and the way that people are doing the school search process has really evolved at a rapid clip in the last couple of years. And so as a result of that, staying on top of industry-wide enrollment and marketing trends is absolutely essential. And that's why we're here. We want to give you some actionable data that you can use to make decisions and hopefully make your lives a little bit easier. Also, here's a quick run through of the details for the survey. So it's the second year that we've run this survey. We had 646 individual responses. The survey ran from August 17th to September 6th. We had 120 public school districts, online public schools and charter schools respond and 526 private and independent schools respond. And if you didn't have a chance to participate in this year's survey, please keep an eye out when we launch the 2023 version. We'd love to have you participate and see those numbers come up even more. And now we're going to get into our insights. Oop, hold on, sorry about that. Um, so the first is that just like other industries, schools and districts have to continue to invest in their internal teams and be mindful of turnover. This is something that we saw on the higher education side with a survey that we ran in the spring. So we decided to add a question about it to this survey. And here's what we saw. 
There is some good news first. On the private school side, 22% reported increasing their enrollment staff and 24% increased their MARCOM staff. And then on the district and charter side, we saw that 19% increased their enrollment staff and 23% increased their marketing and communication staff. So as we all know, the work is hard and the plates are full, right? So it's great to see that schools are continuing to invest in their teams and staffing in line with the tremendous amount of work that's needed to make all of these things to come together year after year. However, as you can see here, we also have some challenges that have cropped up with turnover. So on the private school side, 24% said marketing communications turnover was an issue in the last year, and 27% said that enrollment and admissions turnover was an issue in the last year. On the district and charter side, 21% said that marketing communications turnover was an issue in the last year, and 28% said that enrollment turnover was an issue in the last year. So as we look at what to do if you're a senior leader who is managing enrollment or marketing communications professionals or both, here are some things that you can do. The first is to watch out for burnout. And this is something that everyone is still dealing with. So you want to keep an eye out for it and make sure that you're taking care of people who might be feeling it. You also want to invest in training and professional development, and not just in terms of financial investment, but also time investment. You want to make sure that the budget is there, but that people can also carve out that time to grow, to go to that conference, watch that webinar, whatever the case might be. It's really important to make sure that you're carving out those opportunities. If your school or your district does a performance evaluation, um, that's great, congratulations. It's actually not that common, unfortunately. And, and so if you're on the side where that's not something that's happening, I definitely investigate the why behind that. They're so important for so many different reasons. And people need to know how they're doing. They need to have space for conversations about goal setting and growth. And it also gives you an opportunity to recognize your high performers. So having those conversations is really, really important. And to that point, making sure that you have ongoing opportunities for open dialogue and feedback with your direct report so they don't have to wait a year to have those really important conversations is also really critical. Transparency around institutional goals, this is another one. And for one, hopefully you have them. I, I know that not everyone does, but in an ideal world, you have some very clear institutional goals because people need to know what they're working toward and how they're contributing to something bigger beyond their department. You know, we often talk about how siloed things can be in the K-12 space, and sometimes that's a big driver behind it. So it's really important to make sure that there's transparency around those goals and how a school is moving toward those goals over the course of an academic year. Celebrating wins, I can't emphasize this enough. Some of the best leaders that I've spoken to in my time at Niche have really talked about time that they've carved out to celebrate wins on their teams and as individuals. It can be hard to do this when you're focused on the day to day, but it's so important to make that time to celebrate wins and successes. And, you know, I think it's it's hard because we're always looking at what else we can do, what didn't work, what can we add to our plates, what aren't we already trying, but you really have to take the time to celebrate those wins. And then this last one is a little bit of a sleeper, but it's really important. And that's to think about the unintentional messages that you might be sending about work-life balance if you're in a leadership role. Leadership, especially in schools, can come with long hours and a lot of sacrifices, but if you're not taking care of yourself, 
and you're sending emails at 3 a.m., you're not getting a lot of sleep, you're not finding time for exercise, you're not getting a lot of daylight, you never leave your desk, your employees are seeing that. And you might be sending some signals to your team that you expect them to do the same, which isn't good for anyone. So this is really an opportunity for reflection, not just on self-care, you know, a popular phrase that's come up in the last year, but also the kind of behavior that you might unintentionally be modeling to your direct report. So that's something to really keep an eye on. And then if you are not in a leadership position, but you're one of those employees who might be experiencing some of that burnout firsthand or you're overwhelmed, make sure that you're taking the time to be open and transparent about how you're feeling and what you're dealing with and what you need to be successful in your role. At least have that conversation before you start kind of looking toward the exit because you might be surprised by the feedback you get and how willing other people are to help you. So this next one is actually not directly informed by this survey. It's a combination of this survey data, our parent survey data, and then some of the broader headwinds that are really facing our industry at this point in time. So at this time last year, when we went through this survey, the explosion of the Delta variant was our biggest problem, right? And my, how things have changed in the last year. Now we're dealing with a potential recession. It's looking increasingly likely that that's going to happen, that big scary R word that's floating around. Um, it's a bigger challenge for schools that are charging tuition. Um, and then of course, we've got inflation and lots of other economic factors that are putting some pressure on family budgets at this point in time. So we saw that there are a lot of things that schools have been doing from a traditional marketing standpoint during the past two years that may have worked, you know, when, when times were a little bit more stable from an enrollment standpoint. But when we get to enrollment performance in the next section, you'll see that it might actually be time to rethink how you're allocating some of those resources for the remainder of this year. All of this is to say that schools have to make sure that they're meeting families where they are, and we're gonna dig into that here. It's true across the board. So here I'm gonna give you a little bit of a teaser for our annual parent survey, which is going to launch on the blog next month, and we'll be doing a webinar for that at the beginning of December. So knowing what your peers are doing and using is great. It's very helpful for benchmarking purposes, but knowing what parents actually care about is the most important thing. And that was one of the big factors that we tried to infuse in the survey this year. So this is based on input from more than 1,800 K-12 parents who searched for schools for their children with the intention of enrolling in the fall of 2022. So this is very, very current. This slide shows what the top discovery channels were for parents in that awareness stage. So 25% of K-12 parents first discovered the schools they considered on Google, and 24% of K-12 parents first discovered the schools they considered through word of mouth and through school search and review sites. And those are actually two separate data points. I combined them because they tied at 24%. But that shows you the top three ways that parents in this survey first discovered the schools that they decided to actively compare. So beyond word of mouth, the slide really underscores the importance of having a strong presence on search for one. But I also want you to notice that direct mail, billboards, those things are not on the list. And so as you're thinking about where to spend your budget this year and in future years, this data should really speak to you because it tells you what's actually resonating with your prospective families. And then next, this was the response when we asked, 
which marketing channels influence parents' enrollment decisions the most? So 50% said school websites. There should be no surprises there. So if that's something that you're investing in, please, please continue because obviously it's very important. 45% said school visits, which just speaks to the importance of that on, you know, on um, on-campus experience that actually came through for students as well. And then 37% said schools presence on search and review platforms. So once again, we've looked at both where parents are first discovering schools at that top of the funnel. And then as they're starting to come through, these are the channels that are really influencing those decisions. And yet, we actually saw an increase in the last year in the use of traditional marketing tactics, like what you see here on our district online public school and charter school slide. We'll look at private schools next, particularly in print, which I found to be very, very interesting. Now, the role of word of mouth and feedback from other parents came through loud and clear to parent to parent. So parent ambassadors should be much higher on this list, actually, if we're looking at prioritizing tactics for efficacy. But instead, we see that there's a biggest focus, but bigger focus on brochures, on direct mail, and on print ads and local publications, which actually rated very low on the list for families. And then we see it again on the private school side. So we have brochures and view books up at the top, print ads and local publications. I'm happy to see that parent ambassadors were a little bit higher, but I would I would really like to see um, those rise to the top a little bit more because um, we still have a pretty significant investment in things that don't necessarily move the needle that much. And we're probably going to see more of that coming in through um, the remainder of this year. So when it comes to what to do, we're always going to recommend a data first approach to making decisions. And that's really hard to do with a lot of traditional marketing channels, as you probably know. The benefit to using things like SEO, paid search, and having a presence on school search and review sites is that you're capturing high intent families. That's really important because these are families who are actively looking at making a change and researching and comparing schools. Our data shows that schools are investing in some of these channels and in social media, but even though it might feel good to see an ad for your open house show up alongside a competitor's, parents are not necessarily scrolling through Facebook or Instagram hoping to see an ad for a school, right? So as you're thinking about how to allocate your budget or reallocate portions of your budget, which is something I would consistently be looking at, Investing in channels that focus on parents who are actively looking for schools with a little bit of retargeting mixed in, that's actually where the rubber meets the road for paid social advertising right now. It's with retargeting families who have already interacted with you as opposed to going out with a cold call to action like come to an open house, you know, um, with a broader audience. So that's something to consider. And it's not to say that you should abandon traditional marketing tactics altogether, because we are seeing that there is value in some of those as well, particularly on the brochure and view book side. Interestingly enough, people still value having those to flip through and inform their decisions. But it's even more valuable to use traditional tactics that are targeted, relevant, and integrated with their digital tactics. So one of the examples that I use fairly often is if you're sending direct mail, if you're committed to direct mail, if you're sending a piece of direct mail to a family that is already in your CRM system or they've already interacted with your family or with your school in some way, this is actually something that's fairly common on the higher education side, 
that is more effective than a cold distribution to families who happen to live in a specific zip code and check certain demographic boxes because they're already they're already there. You've already captured them in some way. So that's a much better use of your money. So for insight number three, enrollment performance is complicated. I'm dating myself, but for those of you who remember the complicated status on Facebook, that kind of reminded me of this. In this section, you're going to see why we're asking a lot of questions about the efficacy of some of the marketing tactics that have been mentioned, but it also shows the importance of looking at tactical efficacy through different funnel stages, because you do see different things work at different points in time for families. We didn't necessarily see an interest issue here for private schools. Inquiries and applications are still up, particularly in the South and the Northeast, and that makes perfect sense given some of the recent migration that we've seen from the East and West Coast to the South. But the issues that we are seeing come down to conversion and retention. On the public school side, our data was pretty consistent with what we've seen in the news with 21% of schools reporting lower enrollment and charter schools being the most likely to report increases in enrollment. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper into what I mean when I say that things are complicated. So 36% of private schools did not achieve their enrollment goals by June 1st of 2022. And this is pretty notable because it's a 15% increase from our 2021 survey. June 1st, just for context, is the contract binding date that a lot of private schools use. So we use that date to standardize the timeframe for the schools that responded to this question. And this is interesting because even though inquiries and applications were up, something appears to be happening when it comes to getting families to make that final commitment. So this was a little bit of a flag for me as I was going through the data. And then 31% of private schools, so slightly more than a third, reported that their attrition increased from last year. And this is a 9% increase from 2021. So clearly something is going on. There's a few factors that are likely to be at play, but something funky is, is going on. And then on the public school side, we see that 43% of public school districts and charter schools reported that enrollment was flat. 21% reported enrolling fewer students than last year. On the flip side, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, at 20%, charter schools were also the most likely to report increased enrollment compared to last year, which is no surprise. We've been hearing for some time about the increased interest in charter schools over the course of the pandemic, so they're kind of on both sides. But there's definitely some interesting things that are happening here. And all of this is reflected in schools enrollment priorities for this year. So this was another new question we introduced for 2022. And the priorities reflect some of the data points we just reviewed. Increasing enrollment and retention, you'll see, are top of mind across school categories. District and charter schools are also focusing on improving communications with families. Branding, which is very important for recruitment. You'll hear me say that a lot, both in this webinar and in perpetuity. Customer experience and increasing enrollment for specific demographic groups. And then when we look at private schools, we see it again with retention being on top, followed by increasing overall enrollment, increasing applications and inquiries, likely to hopefully drum up that enrollment figure. Branding, customer experience, increasing enrollment for specific demographic groups, and then we have a smaller percentage of schools that are thinking about making adjustments to tuition. 
Now, if your school or district is having challenges with recruiting, retaining students, or both, here are some quick notes for troubleshooting. We could have a whole separate webinar on this topic alone, but I'm going to try to get through what I can in one slide. So for one, I'm glad to see that a decent number of schools are focused on branding because a strong brand is the cornerstone of your family recruitment strategy. Knowing the white space that you occupy in the market is critical. And, and you need that to be able to send a clear message to prospective families. So I was very pleased to see that that is something that's risen to the top as a priority. This next one blends recruitment and retention. Internal and external marketing are actually equally important, but the internal piece can get lost a little bit. So as an example, I'm sure many of you have experienced this. I certainly have. But how often have you heard feedback from a family that, they wish that you offered something that you actually do offer, but they just don't know, either because their school's their child isn't at the right age or some other reason, but that points to an internal marketing issue. And so that's an example of that. So engage, in, in addition to looking at how you're interacting with your prospective families, which we talked about in the last section, you also want to be really thoughtful about how you're reinforcing value for your current ones, especially if you're a school that charges tuition, especially right now. Coming back to recruitment, friction in this case refers to anything that makes it harder for families to engage with you, whether that's a clunky website that's difficult to navigate, your inquiry form is too long, your admissions or enrollment processes aren't clear, they can't find contact information. All of those are potential barriers that can cause you to lose families' consideration. So that's something that you really wanna be careful about. And then lastly, using data and using it widely, wisely. So between industry and market data and your own internal data, there's a wealth of information that's available to you to help you make decisions, to refine those decisions over time. But you have to carve out the space to review it and to make those changes. You cannot set it and forget it when it comes to recruitment strategy or to your budget. And we'll get to that in a little bit. And then on the retention front, you have to be proactive and intentional about retention, especially in this climate. Have a plan, have a committee, but you can't expect it to just happen. You have to have an intentional focus on keeping your current families. Training your frontline workers really refers to ensuring that your teachers in particular understand the role that they play in the parent and student experience. Because no matter what type of school you are, your teachers can make or break the student experience and that has a direct impact on retention. You also wanna make sure that other players like parent ambassadors, volunteers, student ambassadors to a certain degree are on message and that they have the tools that they need to answer questions from their peers or to bring concerns to your leadership team if necessary. And then removing the uncertainty for families speaks to the fact that families are fatigued from the pandemic. So anything that you can do to deliver on your brand promises, resolve conflicts in a timely manner and clearly, and also provide clear and timely communication is gonna go a long way in helping with retention. And then for our last big insight, when it comes to efficacy, digital marketing was the winner in the survey, and I'll show you what that looked like in terms of data points on the next slide. But there are a couple of things to watch out for here too, because we have a little bit of a optimization challenge. So here we have a comparison between how effective survey respondents said traditional marketing was compared to digital marketing last year. On the private school side, 35% said that traditional marketing tactics were more effective than in 2021, which is great. 
but 64% said digital marketing tactics were more effective than in 2021. And then on the district side, 43% said that traditional marketing tactics were more effective than in 2021, and 53% said digital marketing tactics were more effective than in 2021. So we're definitely seeing that when it comes down to it, digital is where it's at. But we have that optimization challenge that I mentioned. So for one, if you don't have a budget for digital marketing, that kind of puts you behind because our data is showing that you might be competing with schools that have budgets as high as $20,000 or more. So even if you can't spend that much, you want to spend something. You know, It's worth the investment because that is where the families are. We're also seeing that budgets are not being reviewed anywhere nearly as frequently enough as they should. So here's a look at what that actually looks like. 37% of private schools review their digital marketing budgets annually, 10% review them twice a year, and 10% review them infrequently or never. That last one made me weep openly at my computer because that is not good news. It's not much better on the district and charter side. 30% of districts and charter schools reviewed their digital marketing budgets annually, 12% reviewed them twice a year, and 13% reviewed them not at all not just infrequently, but never. They just don't look at them. And this is really problematic. So in terms of what you can do about this, for one, I would recommend reviewing your budget and campaign performance, the two should go hand in hand, at least monthly. So much changes and it happens so quickly in the digital marketing space. I know right now a lot of people are, are throwing their hands in the air because Facebook changed its page experience. You know, there's so many things that happen. We dealt with, you know, the iOS 14 update. So many things happen on such a frequent basis. If you are looking at this data less frequently than monthly, not only are you going to fall behind, but you're probably going to leave some money on the table. So that's really, really important. We're actually seeing that cost per click on PPC ads is creeping up a little bit. So that's just another reason why it's really important to look at that data and to look at it regularly. Benchmarking, as I mentioned before, is also really important. We have some great data here, and we also do an annual website benchmark report that has some of that data around SEO performance and paid advertising. That can be really useful, so please take advantage of that. If you did not switch to Google Analytics 4 back in July when we first asked you to, please do it as soon as possible. It's actually fairly easy. And the sooner you do it, the more time you have to learn that new system, but to also collect some historical data that you won't be able to access after the end of next year. And then finally, if you can't manage it all, get some help. We can help with digital marketing services. You know, Profiles on the niche platform are not the only thing that we do. And there are lots of great vendors out there. So if you choose to outsource one thing, I would actually say you'll get the biggest bang for your buck here, aside from your website, which we saw is very important. And that's where the ads go to. So before we jump into our advanced questions now, I just wanted to share some upcoming events. If you happen to live in the boarding school world and you're coming to DC for tabs, come see me on November 12th. I'll pre be presenting on storytelling scaffolding and sharing five content themes that you can steal from higher education to weave into your content strategy. And then on December 6th, we'll be having that webinar that I mentioned where we'll unpack the takeaways from our parent survey. There's a lot of juicy data in that one. So I'm really looking forward to doing that with you. 
And so now it is time for our q and I'm going to start with a little um, disclaimer for those of you who might have submitted some questions in advance and, and some who might have submitted some in the chat as I was speaking. We typically try to focus on questions that benefit the broader group. So if you have a question about something that's super specific, a specific market or a very specific challenge that might not necessarily be for the good of the group, or if we don't get to you before we're at time, please email me separately. My email address is on the screen. And I, when I say that, I mean it. I love hearing from people. I love helping people. That's, that is literally my job here. So if you have a burning question that we don't get to today for whatever reason, please feel free to reach out. I would love to hear from you and I'd love to help. And then that, that, our, that link that I mentioned at the beginning of the presentation is right there for you on the left. You will also be receiving a copy of these slides. So when you get that email to Tomorrow, keep an eye for that, this link, and a link to the recording. And now we'll dig into our questions. So our first question is, prior to the pandemic, there was a trend for middle-income families moving away from private schools. During the pandemic, there was a shift away from public to private. What are you seeing now with inflationary pressure for middle-income families? got lots of inflation related questions that came in. And this is a good one. It helps that I just finished reviewing our parents' survey data. So I think the attrition that I referenced earlier is definitely a partial indicator that some families might be changing their school choice due to price sensitivity. There are probably other factors at play as well. Um, and in our parents' survey, we saw that families are still very willing to pay for school, but middle income families aren't willing to stretch quite as far. So that's consistent with what's being asked in this question. Um, for some families, now that public schools have been consistently open, that might mean going back to their local public schools. And for others, that means looking into religious schools, which tend to be less expensive than say a non-religious independent school, for example. Um, our parent survey showed continued interest in enrollment in private schools, but Catholic schools in particular are have pulled ahead, especially among those middle-income families. So. We're we are definitely seeing a shift there. The next question is, what is the best strategy to get my students and parents creating niche accounts, actively using niche, and completing school reviews? So this actually applies to us and, and others. And um, this is an important question because our data shows that 65% of parents said that reviews and testimonials from other parents were important deciding factors for where they chose to enroll. So this is a big deal across the board. I think the biggest thing that you can do, honestly, is ask. Um, in some cases, that might mean starting with people who are most likely to act, like your parent volunteers, your ambassadors, if you have them, student ambassadors fall into that category too, um, alumni who have volunteered in the past or who are actively engaged with your school or your district. Um, but the people who are deeply invested in your community already have a tendency to respond very well to these requests. Some schools have also had luck sending a request to their entire parent communities as well. Um, neither one is right or wrong. You have to know your community and what they'll respond to. I would also be very prescriptive. So tell them which sites to go to, how long reviews can be, let them know that two to three sentences is plenty. It doesn't have to take a long time. Um, 
In the spring, we actually sent QR codes to schools that they could use for parents to scan on the fly and, and place in different um, locations on their campuses to make it as easy as possible for them to leave reviews. And I think it's also important to tell them the why behind the ask. It's not just about bragging or marketing per se, but it is about helping families like theirs to discover your school. And that's an emotional tie that most people can relate to. I would also advocate for incentives. People love swag, they love small gift cards. Those are things that can make a really big impact. And if you're in a position where you don't have the budget for incentives or you have restrictions around them, I know there are some schools that literally cannot give incentives to people for things like this. We actually have a $1,000 sweepstakes for parents, students, and alumni that they can enter for completing a review. So that's an area where we can actually help you and take the burden off of you from creating an incentive. The next question is, how are you dealing with inflation and attracting families? The cost of housing around our private school has risen significantly. So this was one of two inflation-specific questions that we received, and I think I can actually address both of them here. For one, as I mentioned, you have to be very thoughtful about where you're spending your marketing budget at this point in time and focus on high intent families because depending on where you are geographically, it could be a tougher time to capture the families who are not actively engaged in a search for a tuition charging school right now. Um, we've established the fact that those high intent families are online. So if you're not already invested in search, using Google ads, retargeting through display and social ads, I would definitely ramp that up for this admission cycle, especially if you're already starting to see some issues with your funnel. You might also need to make a shift in messaging. Um, we're seeing that parents are becoming more focused on academics and outcomes coming out of the pandemic. And the recent data that's come out, I think it was just last week or at the beginning of this week on declines in um, reading and math scores nationally, that creates some challenges, honestly, for public schools, but some opportunities potentially for others. So the key here is that if you are part of a school that charges tuition, you have to lean into messages about value. That means outcomes, testimonials from current parents and alumni that demonstrate your quote unquote product at work data points, um, you know, all of those proof points are really important. And you have to market your school as an investment in a child's future and not just another line item in the budget. You know, they've really got to see the value there. And then the last thing I would suggest is maybe spending some time digging into the psychographics of your current community to uncover what they care about and why they chose your school, because that can give you some insights into messaging that you can use with prospective families. The next question is, what is one trend that surprised you about the results? So this is short and sweet. I think it was probably the decrease in the number of schools that met their enrollment targets by June 1st. I reviewed the inquiry and application data first as I was going through the survey results. So I expected that that would have a correlation between schools that met their enrollment targets and it it did not and that was that and the fact that that percentage came down from last year was a big surprise for me so next question is how important is it to only accept families who are in alignment with the school's mission rather than taking all applicants even if they don't seem to understand the school's mission this is a big question and I hope that people hear me very clearly when I respond to this one. 
if you actually want to retain families, you have to resist the temptation to take anyone you can just so that you can hit your numbers and really focus on those mission aligned families. I have seen this movie before and it's a non-negotiable. There are just too many problems that can arise if you bring in a family or families plural that are not the right fit for your school. It impacts your culture. It takes up a lot of administrative time and ultimately those families don't stay. So if you're truly focusing on strategic enrollment and management, enrollment management, which includes retention and not just acquisition, you have to focus on mission fit. And you also have to be clear. I'm not sure what exactly was meant by not understanding the mission, but if you're finding that there's a true disconnect between who your institution is and what families expect, that means that you have a messaging and brand issue, and that's another thing to dig into. And then this is our last advanced question before we get to questions from the live audience. What are some ways public school districts that rank closely with competitors can better position themselves in order to capture prospective families? So the advice that I would give here is actually the same advice I'd give to a private school because it's the same type of issue that private schools have been dealing with for years. And you're probably competing with private schools and charter schools as well. So this is really a global question about differentiation. And I would actually push this back and say, what is it about your district that really is different programmatically in terms of the opportunities that are available to your students, the community, what actually outcomes, <laughs> what actually makes you different? And if you can't answer that question internally, you can't market it externally. And that's why having a strong brand is so important. And that's true no matter what type of school you work for. So I think we, we typically go straight to wanting a list of tactics that we can execute without thinking about some of the root challenges behind the work that we're doing. But those tactics have to be driven by a strong brand. And if you don't have that, then that is where I would start. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up. Thank you for those of you who hung on <laughs> for, for these last few minutes of questions. And again, if you had a question that was really specific that I didn't get to, or a really big question, there were some that came through that um, we would probably need another hour to cover. I'm happy to you know, meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, send you my Calendly link so that you can schedule some time. I'm definitely happy to help. and. I look forward to seeing you at our next webinar. Thank you so much.